Off top, 1982, Mark Mosley is the MVP of the entire NFL. He was a kicker. It was a strike year, too, in the middle. They broke up the season with a strike. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What's up, Charlie? I was looking at MVPs just because I was reminiscing about when running backs mattered, and then I saw one kicker, and I was like, how the hell did this happen? And he wasn't even a good kicker. Like, he's not a Hall of Fame kicker. He didn't have a great kicking career, but he had one season that after week two, they went on strike, and they came back, only played nine games, but he ended up the MVP. That's a nice little, I guess, trophy to have, maybe. Tell your kids about it. No one believes it. Yeah, I mean, they're only... uh four NFL kickers in the Hall of Fame. Probably it's it's like closers. Probably it's not fair. I said Mark Mosley wasn't in the Hall of Fame. I didn't check, but I assumed he wasn't because I looked at his career yeah. stats and was like, I hope they didn't put this guy in the Hall of Fame just because that one time he won the MVP. Well, there's something interesting too. All kickers used to suck. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He missed three extra points in that season. And it's not the new, it's not the current extra points. Yeah. It's the extra points that we actually can hit. Yeah. <laughs> it was like from the three yard line, he missed three extra points in that season. He was not good. They were, he was toe kicking them. It was bad. Maybe at some point this summer, we'll add this to the union pod and other things. We should do a pod of why the NFL MVP is more, is way more random than other MVPs. Cause there are going to be a so lot random. of modern MVPs that aren't in the hall of fame. You think so? Well, I mean, the kicker MVP was because that defense was outrageous. And and uh, Joe Theismann couldn't get the ball in the end zone. So uh, that's how you end up with a kicker MVP, I guess. Well, I just like, we're going to look up Matt Ryan. Yeah, Matt Ryan's not Cameron good. Newton. Cam, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Sean Alexander. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Big Sean. Rich Gannon. He was a monster. Rich Gannon, yeah. Uh, didn't Kerry Collins win an MVP one year? Uh, I'm on the list now. I don't know. Lamar Jackson. Here's where getting interesting. Don't be. Terrell don't, Davis. Don't. It's too early. I know. Terrell's already in the hole. Oh, did Terrell get in? Yeah, Look Terrell at me, got a football in. expert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, speaking of football expert, we're going to do a lot of football today. I'm in Florida right now. If anyone's watching on YouTube, you see the background is different. This is not my house. I'm in, I was going to say the great state of Florida, but my wife reminded me that the NAACP had a travel advisory for black people coming to Florida. And um, I think it was a result of uh, some more recent shootings. Uh, not a great place right now. I got on my equality shirt, too. I'm waiting for somebody to say something. I mean, but I'm I'm in touristy town, so it's not like people are... Uh, anyone who is around me is probably not from Florida. But, uh, I mean... I You've been to Aventura before? No, but you're literally breaking the stereotype type of uh, go woke or be woke, go broke, whatever Clay Travis says, <laughs> as you have your ritzy know. vacation in Florida as, as uh, yeah, DeSantis yeah. shakes his fist at your equality shirt. Yeah, well, I'm giving DeSantis in this state some money. I'll just <laughs> imagine that it's going to to people that, that need it. But I'm at this Aventura um, amusement park. Well, it's a it's a resort. But they last time we came here a long time ago, they didn't. They were doing construction on their water park, and now the water park is done. So your boy is water slided out. It is outrageous. We've been here for three days now, and kids don't get tired of stuff. And I don't understand how they don't how they are fine watching the same show all the time. We got on the slides every day. We get on the slides forty times a day, and then this morning they wake up at like nine thirty, like. 
Can we go to the park? It's like, what? Can we eat breakfast? Can I, can I tell you something? I feel like I would have loved being your son. And I guess I am sort of your work son. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, no. my older brother is really good at things, but terrified of other things. So I'm, I'm, I'm a, we're a two kid household, terrified mm-hmm. of heights, was terrified of yeah. water slides. He didn't learn how to ride a bike ever. So like all of these things, like all of these things are like fun childhood. But he was activities. like a college athlete. Yeah, great, like great he was a great tennis player. Great yeah. athlete, great soccer player, great tennis player. Um, yeah, but we didn't. No. But can't ride a bike. Uh, I tried to teach him how to ride a bike two summers ago at the beach. And he was riding <laughs> in circles on, a, on our driveway. And he He's was a grown far, man with children. He is 35 years old. And he was <laughs> panicked. He was like, get me off the bike. Get me off the bike. Get me off the bike. He pelotons all the time, but refuses to ride like a freestanding bicycle. But the uh, the part of his fear was that simply being the older sibling afraid of things like water slides and roller coasters were mostly off the table unless I was with friends. Like I had to be with friends, families to do all the fun things that my like uh, non-risk averse dumbass wanted to do when I was that age. That's nice. I mean, I, I'm happy for you because, like, your brother was older and the athlete. I've seen pictures of you. You weren't the athlete. No. You're kind of round. And so it was cool that you, you could be the brave one. That was really kind of you to say kind of round. I thought you were going to say, like, the only perfect cir- circle in nature. <laughs> I mean, I was being nice because I was setting you up for another joke because I think you look like you live in Whoville right now. I don't know if it's the glasses or what. So <laughs> You look like a who. This is protest uh oscar from podville media will not let me wear glasses or a hat on our podcast in studio so i'm at home i'm wearing my uh lover boy shout out to summer house on bravo uh hat oh, and I don't know what that is. you know what oscar i love you but f you i'm wearing my hat <laughs> all right summer house on bravo i don't know what that is but let's get into some football something i do know, know something about I, I imagine there's a summer house um transition that i could have made but i've never seen it so i can't make the transition Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, football, running backs. Saquon Barkley, he's going to win the MVP. Maybe not, but he is talented. Imagine Saquon back in the 90s when football was football and men were men and they handed the ball off to people he would have had three mvps by now at least if he could stay healthy do you think he would have been better or worse in an era where he got less like passes yeah yeah um i think he'd just been better because he's incredible well i guess he's probably not better or worse he'd have been more he'd be more impactful and like more respected i guess 
Because I think we all appreciate that he's great, but we've all been, I don't know if it's red or blue pill, red pilled. What is that when you get the truth? We've all been red pilled or blue pilled. I don't know. It's probably uh, by now a problematic uh, reference at this point anyway, but we've all seen third eye. (laughs) Yeah. We've all had our third eyes open to running backs are so fun but they're not as valuable as we once thought they were. And you remember, uh, we've talked about this before, but when I was growing up, that's what we wanted to do. Like the first time I played football, I was like, I, I'm going to be the running back. I'm uh, 10 years old. I was like, no, make me the running back. Now I imagine I would have wanted to be Lamar Jackson or wanted to be Patrick Mahomes. I would have showed up, like make me the quarterback. But growing up, it was like um, Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith, uh, Ricky Waters. Like these were... Big time running backs that you built the team around. It's not how we think anymore, or at least not how most of the league thinks outside of Atlanta, apparently, for drafting Bijan early. But Saquon would have been a lot more respected because he would have been an MVP candidate. He'd been someone you built around, and he's not that anymore. We're at a point now where he is looking at a franchise tag uh, from the Giants. He's hoping not to sign that and get in a contract. And I guess um, I've been looking at this, and I don't quite understand why the Giants don't just sign that man to like a four-year deal to what Christian McCaffrey got. Something to that effect. You can front load it so that if there's a problem in the back end, you can get out of it. But you don't have a whole bunch of money tied up in skill players. You don't have a whole bunch of good skill players. I, I really don't get the point of playing hardball at this point with the one valuable player that you have. And I, I understand that the replacement value for a running back is not like, I mean, I get all the analytic stuff about it and I get why people don't do it, but he's there now. He's your best player. He's the reason why your quarterback looked half decent and and then your quarterback got paid. So there's two arguments for me. There's one uh, like interpersonal stuff in the locker room where you, you don't want to treat a guy like that poorly. And then there's also like, yeah, you guys are building something. You're doing better. Why would you set yourself back in a situation where I don't think it'd be that detrimental to their cap or their situation, particularly if they front load the contract? So I agree. And I think that Saquon is a really, really interesting case. And I have a bunch of questions I want to ask because it's not just who he is as a football player, which is pretty unique with his physical skills, how big he is as a pass catcher. um, The fact that if he's in the open field, he's a tackle breaker. But like, let's lay this out here. Playmakers in the NFL get paid. Guys who right. have are force multipliers and can convert first downs. The Giants covered is bare. Like I was talking to Bill Barnwell the other day, and he was talking about how Giants camp is hyping up Paris Campbell. That is a sad state of affairs. If you're hyping up Paris Campbell, you're a sick. <laughs> um, and, oh <laughs> but the Giants face the third most stacked boxes in the NFL. And they were third in EPA per play against the stack boxes. They knew that the Giants offense was get the ball to Saquon Barkley or have Daniel Jones run a read option. And they're really well coached and they have some defensive talent, et cetera, et cetera. But they overachieved last year. They're in a really tough division and they want to be better this year. They just signed Daniel Jones to $40 million. Part of being a good football team is getting your quarterback to succeed. Saquon Barkley seems like he is more important to Daniel Jones' success than any other player that they could sign or acquire, period, this offseason. Yeah, so I think your point about playmakers is an important one. It's like, yeah, you don't want to pay running backs, but you pay somebody <laughs> who makes your team better, and that's the way that they probably should look at Saquon Barkley rather than think of him as a running back. Like, he's the only one that causes defensive coordinators to lose 
any sleep at night and causes them to scheme. And, and you've heard me say this before. It's like, that's how, you, in my view, at least, that's how you build an offense. It's like, you good, get good at something first. And then you force defenses to compromise themselves in order to stop that something. If it's a receiver that they have to double team or a line or a tight end that they can't cover or a running back that they can't stop, you get them in a situation where we're like, man, we need to put an extra person here to stop that. And then that should make life easier and open other things up. Sorry, I cut you off. No, as you can see, doesn't the success of Brian Dable, the success of the front office, the success of the team, as sad and simplistic as this is, doesn't that defend, depend and all of their job security depend on that Daniel Jones contract not being an unmitigated disaster? And isn't pretty much right now the only way we know for that to be a good contract and not an unmitigated disaster is to have a happy and productive Saquon Barkley next to him. And in that case, doesn't that break the paradigm of paying running backs? Like this is about team success, not just being right. the, the black and white, white rule of don't pay this guy because he might break down. Yeah, I think you can definitely get caught up in trying to win the media cycle or win the battle or making sure people like Bill Bonroyal don't laugh at you for, for for overpaying a running back. But I do think the big picture is the argument that I make um, for quarterbacks is I think the most successful quarterbacks we have, it's about buying them time. It's about giving them more time to develop. And normally quarterbacks go or highly drafted quarterbacks go to a bad situation and then they become busts because – they get two, three years to show what they can do, and they have not had time to develop. All the good ones have had time to develop. And that's what I think you're buying with Saquon Barkley uh, is more time for Daniel Jones. They have committed. I hadn't even thought about that is how that was the one that I thought. I mean, I thought they should have paid Daniel Jones, too. But that was the decision that was actually the hard one. Paying Saquon should not be the hard decision, especially for what the going rate for running backs are. That market is depressed. Like, and he's 26, so a four-year deal puts him right at 30, which is about the time you should move on. And if he falls off the cliff sooner than that, that's why you front-load it, and then you can cut him for a small cap hit if, if for whatever reason he gets injured or is not as effective as, as he once was. And there are some running backs who kind of defy the odds, and Saquon is probably one of them. If you're looking at he, he's a, a candidate, for one of those type of guys that could continue to be good uh, past the time you suspect him to be that good. But I do think that part of it is I agree with the idea that maybe you don't pay, uh, you don't extend a B-level running back because they're like C-level running backs that you can get for damn near free around the league. But when you have a team that's built around a specific player, unless Brian Dayball knows something that we don't know, he has some new scheme that he's going to break out that's going to break the league that does not need any superstar playmakers, which I can look around the league and, uh, I mean, the closest we've gotten to that is Patrick Mahomes, but Travis Kelsey is pretty damn good, and y'all don't got Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, so I don't know who's done it. And also, is it if they, if they don't want to bring Saquon back, I know they want him to sign this franchise tag and make it a one-year deal, but say, say it doesn't work out and they can't figure this out. Is that just like, to me... That reads like an admission that we know we're not as good as the Eagles or the Cowboys. We were 9-7-1 and last year, but that was fluky uh, because we surprised right. people. So it's not even worth it. Which, But then if, if that's what you think, then why sign Daniel Jones? That's the hard part for me to understand is like if you think you're 
you don't sign a quarterback, extend a quarterback, if you think that he's not the guy or this is not the roster. Um, that's the hard thing to find is that position. Everything else I think you can build around it once you have that position locked up. So once you signed Daniel Jones, to me it seems like you believe that you are close enough to be competitive this year or next. Uh, and if you don't believe that, then let the rebuild begin and uh, why not? Why keep Daniel Jones in the first place? Yeah, I mean, either be pro tanking or pro Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, I, isn't that right? No, I I knew you were going to try to make it seem like I was making a taking argument. I'm not making a taking <laughs> argument. I'm making a non-committal argument. Is yeah, no, I'm, you, I'm, you are taking yourself out of the quarterback shopping market once you uh, lock one up. So. I'm actually completely with you. So once you have paid a second contract to a quarterback and you don't have the flexibility of a rookie skill quarterback, you you need to try and win with that guy. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So from Saquon to Dalvin, is that what we do next? Sure, Dalvin let's Cook. do it. All right. So Dalvin Cook is a free agent. He's also a really talented running back, multi-time pro bowler. Uh, he's suggested that maybe him and DeAndre Hopkins could go to the same place. And I was giving it some thought. Where are the places that they could both go? Because that's interesting to consider. I'm not sure that it's something that will actually happen. But uh, New England felt like a place that has a great defense and really could use both. <laughs> like Get the they use back with Billy O'B with the butt chin uh, himself. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't really have uh, – I mean, they got Devontae Parker. Uh, they don't really have a great receiving threat. Uh, and we know that they love to run the ball. And they don't have a game-breaking running back. So that's a spot that I think that both of the guys would fit in well together. I'm not sure about the whole Belichick of the situation. He's he's hard to pre- predict because he had that one offseason where he went in on free agents mm-hmm. and got a whole bunch of free agents that nobody was really checking for. Like it wasn't – they spent a bunch of money on a bunch of guys, I guess, but they didn't go for the big names. These are the two biggest names remaining. It feels very un-Belichickian, but – He's desperate. He's got to be desperate at this point to put together a competitive roster and a division that we think is has a chance to be one of the tougher ones in football. So I like that as a spot. What do you think? So I'm not really sure that these guys actually move the needle for teams. Like I know Dalvin Cook had like the raw numbers last year, but was breaking off fewer explosive runs than ever. And I want to I want to know your thoughts on someone like Hopkins having played against receivers like this. He's like, he's just setting me up. No, no, but he doesn't separate. He makes tough catches. So how about You're setting me up? You're setting me up to be anti Hopkins. I'm not. Whole free no, agent no, like, no, no, no. I valued him as a player. Would you have been like, that guy is unstoppable or that's a guy I feel like I can cover? You're a good producer slash co-host because you know my buttons. And and I, this whole Hopkins time, I have been saying he's a great player. Yes, everyone should want DeAndre Hopkins. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, mm, mm, he's going to convert some third downs for you that you shouldn't convert, keep some drops alive. But 
and he is someone that I think that offensive or defensive coordinators are concerned about. But what scares me is guys who one-man drives. And DeAndre Hopkins might be a one-man drive, but he's going to have to catch it four or five times to be a one-man drive. I'm talking about people who take the roof off the defense. That's what scares me. That's what I think of. And um, DeAndre Hopkins is obviously a true number one receiver, and he's going to make some contested catches. He's going to create uh, a catch radius for your quarterback where your quarterback's not even going to have to read defenses sometimes. Just throw it in Hopkins' area, whether he's cover- covered or not, he's going to come down with it. So, like, I respect him as an asset, but it feels like his impact feels a lot more tight end-like than it does number one wide receiver-like, which is fine, but if you're paying him like a number one wide receiver, I want him to give me big plays and the the point that I make about players like him is we can live with it. You know, so like if it's – it's probably not fair to compare him to Tyreek Hill. That's not fair, but he's a special receiver. But the point is if we don't double it, this player on first down, we're taking a chance of giving up a touchdown. If we don't double Hopkins – we might give up 12 yards. All right, we'll line up and do it again, and we'll blitz. Okay, you catch it again, 12 more yards. We'll blitz again. Sooner or later, someone along that line is going to miss a block, and then we get a sack, and your drive is over. And I'd much rather have a player where we're like, where the the um, defensive coordinator is like, Whew, maybe we can't blitz. I, I'm scared to blitz because if we blitz, then we don't have enough people to double here. Because if we, if they pick up this blitz or we miss a tackle on the blitz or if something goes wrong, guess what? We're giving up six points. So it's hard for me to think of DeAndre Hopkins as that type of player because he hasn't been that type of player. He's caught some pretty impressive Hail Marys and obviously he has big plays. But if I am looking for uh, a receiver to build around, it's going to be a guy who is Tyreek Hill-like, someone who is going to make the big plays. And that's just not how I think about DeAndre Hopkins, especially at this point in the career. Am I wrong? No, not at all. I do have a couple teams, one good and one funnier. Okay, let's go. So I, first of all, I think you're totally right. I thought this about Hopkins for a while. I always thought that was a weird, even though that was a weird fit with Kyler Murray, who in theory, like the broken plays where someone just turns up the field, seems like something that should be really valuable with him. Um I kind of want them both in Buffalo. Um, I want because f- um, that's going to make Stephon Diggs really happy, who apparently is upset about his role in the offense now. That's what it is. Yeah, I don't really. Maybe he didn't like he was getting too many balls yeah, going his way. I don't really get that. But Hopkins is like a two point five receiver, like him and Gabe Davis, like their skill sets combining to be a number two receiver is much more interesting to me, especially with Dalton Kincaid. And also, I would love on all cooks backfield dalvin and james cook yeah, like together <laughs> like i it would be great yeah that'd be pretty fun it'd be uh, a lot less stressful for their family too mm-hmm. like uh one game a week in the route four you can all go to unfortunately it's in i was Buffalo. about to say i'm sure uh, that family would just love, love being in orchard park <laughs> eight of them at least eight games in buffalo probably more because they're gonna get a home playoff game probably but yeah i at this point in career, star players like that, I do think that being competitive really matters. And I, I'm not sure that they look at Daniel Jones and see a Super Bowl champion quarterback. While that defense in New England is really good. Or Daniel Jones, not Daniel Jones. Um, Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. While that defense in New England is really good. 
<laughs> um, uh, the quarterback is unproven, I think, is the nicest way you can say it. And that offense situation is unstable, even though they brought in Chenny Magoo. They're, they're going to be in a bad shape. So, yeah, I saw the Bills as a potential spot also, but I guess I assumed if we are to believe the Stefan Diggs offense issues that that's not something they'd willing they'd be willing to do because there's no matter what we are going to say the turmoil is in Buffalo it's a tumultuous situation right now and adding another receiver I'm not sure settles things down there is no way this has to do with offensive role yeah I know we all know this This is (laughs) if we are to believe that then there are two situations that other than that he could conceivably be happy in in the entire NFL and that is in Cincinnati or Kansas City it's possible that um, he just is getting the ball too much. That's what he's upset about. He's like, I don't like too much, so please bring in DeAndre Hopkins because I need him. Is this like the anti-Keyshawn Johnson? I'm actually yeah. a flashlight. I'm not a star. Make me Wayne bed. <laughs> Throw them the damn ball. Yeah. Uh, the running back situation is interesting, though. Uh, are you arguing that the problem with their running game is the running back? Because it's interesting that you think that Dalvin Cook helps their running attack after you kind of just took some shots at him as an explosive. No, player. I just want, I just like the idea of you brothers playing to together. Brother. <laughs> you and your brother playing together wouldn't have gone quite as well. Uh, well funny story about one. that. We played like a tennis tournament when I, when he was 13 and I was 10 and he actually made me crouch by the net post and he played singles against the against the tough team and doubles <laughs> on every single on every single point that was like high leverage he was just go crouch by the net post <laughs> he just didn't want you to have to take the was, clutch shot he was just like any ball that you hit gives us less of a chance of winning this point <laughs> like th- those are the analytics of the situation <laughs> he sounds like a sweet guy he really is uh, he's so nice now oh yeah or, oh, he just when he gets competitive was he always nice now he's like anti-competitive he's just super nice. super hanging out at the time he's just like you know just wanted to win hit the yeah. heart of a champion 13 year old boy so um I, i'm kind of a star down here it's pretty funny i didn't take into account that it's my demo it's dad oh yeah so, like, I, I don't stand in a line without having a, a full-on conversation about somebody's takes. People coming up to me, my kids think I'm, like, a real celebrity. Um, my seven-year-old's like, this morning we went down, and it's probably 9.30 to probably 11 o'clock. We're just riding stuff. And she's like, Daddy, you got a lot of recognizers today. Because <laughs> that's what I just say to her, because, like, guys will walk over and just like, hey, what's up? Love your work, man give you a fist pound but don't want to talk to you necessarily but then other guys want to talk to you and she started counting she's like there are a lot of recognizers today daddy i was like yeah i guess yeah your dad's a a real big deal amongst the pot belly crew a lot of tummies out here i feel like to do abs you play real well with the dads who can like watch get up either on the way to work or in their have it on in their office in the background and they just are like "Ooh, football my team is about to be talked about it's very specific. Like I can tell who's going to be my crew uh, from a distance. It's like people who make enough money that they can or have high enough jobs that they have a TV in their office and leave it on all the time, and people who don't work. Yeah, these are the, the or your barbershop or airport people. Oh, I'm big with the airport. Anytime I go to the airport, I don't have to wait for nothing. Just like, hey, what's up? How do you play with college kids? I feel like I watched a ton of ESPN in college. It was yeah. just on if I wasn't playing video games. 
Yeah, I don't think so anymore. I think college kids are are completely like, you know, like uh, what's it un, un what's it called? Um, unplugged, not unplugged. Uh, core cutters. That's it. I'm sounding older and older. They are core cutters, so I don't think they really watch a whole bunch. Uh, I get the younger kids though. Yeah, there's a bunch of like teenage boys who I think, yeah, haven't. I guess not teenage, like twelve, thirteen. I get a lot of that, and I am the coolest dad around here. But uh, I think Ashley got annoyed with me because I started doing abs in the middle <laughs> of the park because I was looking around, and I'm not there yet. But I was like, I'm not getting there. There's some people here who are too fit, which like I judge them too. Like, hey, you don't got no time to be a, a, a damn dad. What do you do for a living? Like, how are you that ripped at at thirty eight, forty years old? What is going on? That bothers me. But then I see some dads out there who have clearly let themselves go. And I'm like, no, nah, this ain't going to be me. I'm about to do some some planks right here in the middle of the park. We're thinking four abs is the, is the ideal amount post 30. I don't know. Like, I'm fine with I think I don't have four. I think I have like a faint outline of six. But you're you're you know? a top one percenter. No, but I'm saying like if you look, yeah. you're like you got to look hard. You're like, oh, that guy had abs at one point. It was like the the remnants yeah. of, of abs at one point. But if you have four strong ones, I, I don't mess with you. It's a lot of plastic surgery down here, too, which is uh, it's rough when you see a, a dad with a pot belly and then uh, a mother of four kids looking like she's 25. Like, God, what is happening over there with uh, all types of fillers in their face and whatnot? But, hey, it's a look. Looks good on you. Yeah. I mean, you don't ever have to get ugly. You just got to get richer. <laughs> that's what they say right yeah I'm, I'm fine with getting ugly oh yeah same. And it's just gonna happen and richer that'll be fine too you hear that christina pay me more because you obviously make all the big decisions anyway appreciate everybody thank you charlie for doing this christina buswell i appreciate it sarah abbott awesome idcon thank you bye this is the dominique foxworth show 